tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. All right, folks, it is time once again to get things started here. We're going to have a ton of fun, I promise you. Uh, we've been talking about doing some live shows. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has been a hot minute, that's for sure, since we've been live. Welcome to Wait, I Know This, the fastest growing uh, retro pop culture celebrity interview show in the world on the internet. We are excited. Now, our guest tonight is someone that I have been trying to get for a long time. We have been shooting for this for uh, a good while. I got to tell you, it's someone that I've Honestly, for probably, I would say, a year, I've been trying to get our uh, a guest, just kind of reaching out to her here and there, wherever we can, and uh, we finally got her. So you may remember, and I'm going to, uh, we're going to trigger some memories here for you. We're going way on back to the 1990s. Uh, Baywatch was a huge show. We Everybody watched that show, and celebrities came and went on that show. There were some that stayed for a long time. Most of them would start there and then launch to movies, which is exactly what our guest tonight did, and uh, stayed you know, stayed in, the, in our public eye for so long and uh, still in our hearts, that's for sure. But I want everybody just to uh, give a big shout-out and a welcome to uh, Erica Eleniak, who joins us now, and uh, she has been around for a long time doing great things and still all over the the web. How are you today, Erica? Hi, that was a lovely introduction. Thank you. I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing amazing. How are you? And thank you for having me. I'm glad we could finally figure it out. I mean, hasn't it literally, I think it's been, I really think it's been a year that I was reaching out to you and, and finally got a hold of you. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Oh, it's my pleasure. That's horrible when I hear that. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> it took us so long to get it together. Oh, I'm we sorry. Can... Of course, I blame only myself, but yeah, I'm glad we finally got it, uh, got it all together. Well, we just kept missing things, you know. We were like missing uh, each other every time she was available. I wasn't, or vice versa, and we got it going. Right. So I want to go back to let's talk a little bit about um, about you and and when you started out. By the way, I want to give some credit here because we're showing a picture. Uh, it's a beautiful professional shot that Stephen Wada did of you. Um, and yeah. And we're talking a little bit about your background. So you grew, grew up, are you, you're from California originally, is that correct? I am, yes, that is correct. Now, where did you grow up and how did you get started in show business? Well, you know, we kind of moved around a little bit, pretty much just all over Southern California. I was born in Glendale. We lived in Canoga Park and Van Nuys and Sherman Oaks. We just pretty much the San Fernando Valley um, until I was older. Um, and I started in the industry, you know, my parents split when I was really young. I was about five. So I feel like around the age of 10, um, my dad was actually dating someone who worked for a film company. And whenever they needed extras, back then they would do films for training purposes. You know, if you were going to work at like a fast food place, you would, as a, as a potential employee, you would watch a film a training film. And so we did um, a couple of those, just odd, weird little things, my, my baby sister then and I and even my dad. And so they would kind of throw us in those things. And, um, you know, it was just kind of a conversation. 
do you want to continue to do this? And I landed some commercials, and it just sort of stuck from there. So that's how the, the little journey began. And what uh, what were some of your early commercials? Do you remember those? I love asking people this because oh, they're so funny. Oh, yeah. My very first commercial was there were these little um, underwear for kids sets. <laughs> they were little tank tops and underwear. They were called underoos. Oh, yes, and I mine, remember those. Do you remember underoos? Yes, so absolutely. Star Wars underoos, and I did C-3PO. And <laughs> it was a really, I got run over by R2-D2, and I remember crying <laughs> during that filming. <laughs> the robot ran over my foot. You're and thinking. I remember being a total, a total baby about the whole thing. Um, and then I was teased, let me tell you. I was teased all the way through to high school. And when I did that, I was 10, so I would have been in about probably fifth grade. Oh, my so god! was my nickname for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know what? I'm sure they weren't laughing in the 1990s when you landed your role. What? No, well, let's go back. I want to talk but before we get to that, because I'm skipping ahead on myself here. So you did some commercials. Sure. And then what was your first big break? Because I was looking back through some stuff on you, and the earliest thing I found uh, was, was it E.T.? Well, yeah, you know, a couple. So I started at 10, and E.T., I was 12. So basically, in those two years, I did some, a couple guest spots on some TV shows. Um, I did some plays. I worked in theater. I did some modeling. And then, in fact, I was in an acting class that was doing a showcase, um, you know, just to show what the kids were doing at the Debbie Reynolds studio. And I remember because my scene partner was an adult, because it was a father-daughter scene where most of the kids were working with other kids. Um, we, were at, we got to go and do the adult showcase as well. And in that audience, a, a talent scout for Steven Spielberg was seated. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, it was just serendipitous. It's just meant to be how, when you look back on your life, how fun and mysterious. And, you know, you can put all the pieces together and how it all comes together is so fascinating. Um, and yeah, so I was asked to go in and meet with Steven Spielberg and um, and just talk with him. And, you know, he he I don't there was nothing to read. That was the thing. You know, there was a, a few lines that ended up being cut uh, and it was just kind of ad libbed anyway in the classroom with the frogs. But it really wasn't a character in the script that had any lines or anything. So he just wanted to meet with. Uh, the potential actresses, and um, and so that's what we did. You know, he at the end of the interview, he said, "Do you want to be in my movie?" And I was like, "Yeah." Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> when Spielberg so, says, you know, "Do you want to be in the movie?" I no, I don't think so. But mind you, now at twelve, I really didn't have any concept of who Steven Spielberg was, oh, and that's I true. certainly didn't was not in awe like I am today because I just didn't know. You know what I mean? I didn't know any better and. Um, yeah, so he was just a really Gosh. cool guy. That, that's incredible. <laughs> just, yeah, so that's how that came about. And so that was the first, but you know, also too, that was very secretive. That whole thing was done in secret. They gave everyone, uh, or at least us, you know, probably the smaller players and day players and things, a fake title, a working title. And a little fun fact, it was called A Boy's Life. And huh. at the beginning of the movie, at the very, I think it's the opening shot where there's a boy doing his, um, 
paper route. Um, he goes through town and there's the movie theater with the big marquee and the name of the movie on the marquee is a boy's life. So that was kind of cool, you know, to do these little cool things. But, um, yeah, because especially back then, and it may even still be the case today. I don't know, but there's always the panic or the, the concern that because a big epic movie of these proportions takes a while to shoot and to edit, you could turn around and do a TV movie very quickly. So there, it was very, you know, they were very protective of the material that somebody didn't rip it off and oh. make a quick Well, and rightfully so, because they're afraid. Right. I mean, that's, that's a big risk, you know, for any of that. Right. I, so, so let's talk about what, for people that, that don't know, talk about your, the ET role. What did you do? Well, the name, he actually gave me, again, another gift from Steven Spielberg, who was just so kind to me. Um, he actually gave me a, a credit in the main cast. So when you pull up, like, the main cast, one of the last characters is called Pretty Girl, because I didn't have a name. <laughs> and he gave me, it was just so sweet, but to give me a, an actual character name and title in the main drop-down credit was really special because that, that certainly, you know, it was a small role. I basically, I'm at the bus stop. And so basically Elliot and I are in the same classroom together. And um, I have a crush on him. You can kind of see it because she kind of, this character tries to flirt with him at the bus stop. <laughs> and then in the classroom, what's happening when we're studying, we're about to dissect frogs. This is the moment in the movie when E.T. is at home and has discovered the beer in the fridge. Oh, that's right. So e right. So E.T. gets drunk. And this is also one of the first times that we discover that whatever E.T. is feeling, Elliot is attached to that. They're synonymous with each other. So now he's feeling drunk in the classroom. <laughs> and E.T. finds the remote control. So he grabs the remote and he's starting to flip channels on the TV. And he comes to the Maureen O'Hara, John Wayne scene where John grabs her in the wind and has this big dramatic kiss. So that's basically what happens to Elliot. He frees the frogs. He pushes this poor child on the ground and stands on him because I was about a foot taller <laughs> and kisses me in the classroom. <laughs> so I'm the little girl that Elliot kisses. Basically. I I remember that I remember that scene because I remember the frogs you know that being everywhere. Yeah. Now I read somewhere that um, that neither one of you were all that excited about that kissing scene. You were like twelve and he was like ten or something, right? Exactly. No, and in fact he was in a girl haters club, <laughs> and and I cried. I oh. Was, so yeah so steven came to my dressing room with my mom and me to talk to us to comfort us to say we're going to close this set and he explained what a closed set was which is basically the only people that need to be on set will be there and even in fact those people that are running the monitor won't be in the room with you we're going to move that little they call it video village and we're going to move it outside so that literally there's a camera operator and you know the, a couple people in there that have to be there and that's it and so he calmed me down for a bit, and then he had to go speak to Henry as well. And, you know, I don't know what he said to Henry, but <laughs> <laughs> we both got our talks, and um, we're just assured that everything would be 
fine and quick too. You know, he would try not to torture us or do it too many yeah, absolutely. times. Absolutely, <laughs> yes, that's so cute. Um, well, I mean, yeah. that's a, obviously to, to be able to say that you're a part of that movie is pretty big because that's one of the greatest oh, yeah. movies of all time in my book. Yeah, um, I agree. So, so you did that, and then um, six years later, and I finally found clips of this, which I can't show for copyright purposes, but if you're at home, um, Broken Angel and The Blob. The Blob cracked me up, by the way. That movie was, I love, I love horror <laughs> I movies, and, and the cornier they are, the better, and that was right. awesome. So wh how, how old were you at that point? That was 1988. Well, you don't have to tell that if you yeah. don't want to give your age. Well, no, no. I'm 50. I'm loud and proud and proud of it. Um, <laughs> Welcome to yeah, the club, no, I, by the way. It would have been <laughs> I, I probably, so I graduated in 87 at 17. So 18, yeah, 18 or 19, wow. probably 18. Yeah. And so in between those years, you know, I did episodics. God, do you remember the show? They did a spin-off of the original, which I believe was black and white, was Leave It to Beaver. They tried to do a spin-off of the new generations of that family called Still the Beaver. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> doing an episode of Still the Beaver. Still and, the Beaver. Uh-huh. And an episode of Silver Spoons. And I feel like I was probably 16. That was Ricky Schroeder. And yeah, Eric that's Ray. huge. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. that was big. Uh, mm -hmm. So I got to do an episode of that. So I did things like that in between. But the thing with, with my mom, my mom was pretty much the antithesis of a stage mother. She wanted to keep me in school. She really didn't overly love me being in show business. That was kind of my dad's, you know, starting me in that. Yep. So she allowed me to do it as long as I stayed in school and, of course, went to school on the set when I did get work. But I feel like I worked maybe two jobs a year up, up until high school, until the next, you know, when Baywatch happened. But from the time that we did E.T., I was in seventh grade through high school, I probably worked a couple jobs a year, some modeling jobs here and there, some of these little episodic numbers, you know, and shows. Um, Charles in charge. Oh, you know, also, Charles yeah, in I did charge. You Charles in charge. Right? You need and to then, listen uh, to. Uh, I interviewed Willie Ames, and it was one you of you mentioned the, that. Uh, honestly, it was one of the best interviews. Um, he just let it all out so you need to listen to that whenever you have time it was really interesting he told all me right. about his phoebe cates and how she broke his heart and all this stuff so it was good stuff wow. there yeah you have to check that yeah. one out so you did um so charles in charge and some tv things but then so uh, to give me the time period then baywatch for you was what year baywatch was i want to say gosh 89 See, the thing is, do you remember the movies of the week where Sunday night, that was oh, a big yes. deal. You had Loved your, your right, you had the competing networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, and it was that nine, eight o'clock or nine o'clock movie? Yeah, eight or I nine, the like Sunday, Sunday night, night movie, yeah. Right. And then often those movies, if they did really well, would be kind of like a movie of the week backdoor pilot, if it did really well, right, to become a series. And that's kind of the way it went for Baywatch. So we shot a two-hour movie, Panic at Malibu Pier. <laughs> you remember and, the name. And then went on to do the series. So, um, gosh, I know I was right out of high school, but I feel like cause that was 87. So somewhere in 88 or 89 where we shot 
the movie and then it takes a while and then to get the series up and running. And, and um, that was, I mean, that had... I'm not sure. Obviously, that, that was your biggest break. Well, or yeah, would you say? I mean, definitely thus... Yeah, no, definitely thus far, that was the biggest the biggest break up until that point for sure. Um, and it was NBC. And the funny thing about NBC is at the time, it was pretty much the most conservative network. Um, we had to really do everything by the book to get sponsorship because it was a really expensive show to do. Um, and that's actually a lot of people don't know this, but the show was not canceled because of ratings. We were number one in our time slot, but it was too expensive. And they wanted the gentleman who owned the rights at the time to come up with like, I don't know what it was, but it was another $100,000 of his own money per show or something Ooh. like that. Crazy. Yeah. And he, uh, he actually ended up re you know, relinquishing the rights eventually to the producers, creators, and David, um, but he, yeah, he uh, ended up closing his studio, so it was a no-go, but NBC just felt like the show was so expensive, because we had all these different units, you know, you had your main stream storylines, but then mm -hmm. second unit and B unit and all the outdoor stuff, so yeah, so that was, um, it went down for about a year, and then it went back up when it became syndicated, and then it was not NBC anymore. Yeah, that so, was huge, um, too. I mean, that that franchise right. went on to just, I mean, it seems like it went on forever. 11 years, I believe. Wow, that's amazing. Now, so yeah. when you, so it, you know, we, I guess it's, it's safe to say that that launched you into the mainstream. And then you started doing more movies at that point. Um, I know in uh, the, the list that I saw was Daughter of the Streets in 1990. But for me, Under Siege was the first movie that I saw you in. And um, Steven Seagal was so huge at that point that, I mean, that's right. that's a frontliner movie. T tell me about that experience. And, and do you think that was one of your bigger movies? Oh, definitely. And, I mean, to get to work with Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey as well, because I am a huge fan of both of their work and has been a huge fan of Tunnelly Jones for so many years. That's just, the acting is incredible. And so, yeah, that was, you know, that was a good old fashioned screen test for that film. So you audition, you audition, you audition. And then we got to the point of screen testing where a few ladies are, you know, it comes down to the wire and you actually go to a legit sort of setup, film set with the camera and crew and, you know, before they invest money in someone, they want to make sure there's going to be how you're going to look on the big screen. And I did that for uh, Beverly Hillbillies as well, where they do good old fashioned screen tests. And um, so it was quite the process. And we shot that in Mobile, Alabama for about 12 weeks, about three months. And um, I feel like there were about six women on set in total that includes oh, no. the wardrobe and script supervisor um, and about a thousand men so it was uh, it was definitely an interesting I feel like <laughs> I learned how to be diplomatic for the first time in my life at that time I mean when you look uh, at the movie you can tell that just um, you know forget the crew you were I mean there was right. there were no other men women hardly in that movie no, and in fact, another little fun fact for you, in, you know, they go back and forth between the um, the room with all the heads of, you know, every place, all the chiefs and everybody when we're on the phone having the gunfight, and then it, it goes back to the, um, 
the heads of office there. And so the one woman uh, in that scene is actually Drew. I don't remember her last name, but that she was our script supervisor. <laughs> so <laughs> that was like really cool. I love stuff like that. And Andy was Andy Davis directed that film and just he's such a wonderful man and brilliant director and yeah so it was a very it was a, a an incredible experience it was a very full experience what it was, was it a long like time to be working with um seagal because you know i'll just be honest you hear a lot of mixed reviews about him i love his movies they're so just fun and eye, eye candy and just action i love it um but you know right. i've heard mixed reviews your, your experience with him was okay right you know for me he he just showed up and did his work, you know, like everyone, there are moods for sure. I mean, he definitely always had a big entourage around him, but <laughs> he just, some days he was, you know, in a better mood than others in terms of being, you know, focused or more relaxed and joking on set. But, you know, that was pretty much it. He showed up, he did his thing, he, you know, left. So, yeah, my experience with him was very professional. Good. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because sometimes you hear mixed things. But you, you know what you said is exactly right. Everybody has good and bad days. I mean, let's be honest. Right. Right. It's just the 100%. way it is. Yeah. Um, so from, uh, oh, and by the way, I think I, I texted you this once when I was, it seems like, first of all, Under Siege is on about 75 times a week. I see that movie <laughs> everywhere on some cable network. And, yeah. And I told you one time, I said, you must be getting crazy royalties. You're like, well, over time, that kind of diminishes yeah, a little bit. It does. It does. It does. It's, yeah. Every year it will go down. So it's funny. I'm, of course, incredibly grateful, 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 grateful for every royalty. But I think there's a big misconception for sure. Um, I've definitely received some one cent royalties. Ah. And those make me laugh the most because I think I wonder how much it costs, not only for the postage. To print the check. To, <laughs> to print the check. And then the paper, the envelope, the and, and it literally for one penny. I remember sending that to my accountant. <laughs> they <laughs> didn't cast it. I didn't cast this one. <laughs> a, I'm going to toss so, yeah, this they one. Can, they go down. Um, so looking at some of your early movies, I know you did the Beverly Hillbillies in 93. That was a, that was a big one back, uh, in the day. And so what, if right. you look back over those, and I mean, I'm looking through the list right now, you've done a ton of stuff. How did I miss that you were in Bordello of Blood, by the way? I'm highly upset. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. Um, because I do love my horror movies, but what were some of your best memories of the movies you've done? Do you have a favorite one that you're most proud of? Sometimes when I ask actors and actresses this, they always say one that people don't think of, you know? Right. I have two. I have one that's mainstream and one that was an indie. So my most favorite, more mainstream commercial was the Beverly Hillbillies. Um, everything about it, literally everything about that film, the studio and uh, 20th century and um, the show growing up watching reruns of the Beverly Hillbilly yes. and getting the opportunity to play Ellie Mae Clampett and honor that character and keep it trendy because that was the 90s. At the same time, to, you know, she was a really endeared, endearing character and I didn't want to lose that. So that was a bit of a challenge. We actually worked with a, a lovely, the, one of the loveliest people I've ever met in my life, and he's no longer with us, but he was this 
incredible dialect coach to the stars. I mean, he's worked with every single, you know, De Niro and like every amazing actor on the planet. And his name is Robert Easton. And so we worked really hard. Um, and uh, something else, Leah Thompson, another fun fact about that, she ended up being the French nanny. But they weren't sure at first what they wanted her to be, what accent. I don't know what that poor girl went through. She, I don't know how many accents they put her through. Was it going to be? I don't remember what they were. Was one Russian? Was, but she had to go through legit like dialect lessons. Oh my god! Until gosh. they decided on yeah, it was um, pretty crazy. But yeah, just I love animals. Everything about that was. I was probably a somewhat attacked by every animal on the <laughs> But, well, but Ellie Mae loved her animals, memories. though. Right, she does. She does. She That's right. Dad and you know the possum and the the raccoon and <laughs> and then the, the deer trying to take me down in one shot and but it was just it, I love it. I cannot stand it, up about that. Penelope Spiris, the director, was a very fierce, strong, no BS woman. That's awesome. What a, an icon woman to work with, iconic woman. So, director. And I think um, Jim Varney is just a was a comic genius. I love that guy. So I can't even say enough about Jim Varney. Just to give you an idea, this was one of the coolest, sweetest, kindest people I had ever met in my life. So interesting. I swear to you, you could choose any topic. I mean, any topic, and he would give you twenty minutes on it. He was so smart. He was wow. such a gentleman. I remember too sitting in the makeup trailer once talking to him. I was just blabbing. You know, we just, you sit in makeup for so long, you just small talk. And I remember talking about, we were shooting in North Carolina at some point, I think, were we? Or I had started a bit, no, I think that was Chasers, but what I had started a baby clothes collection. That's what it was. Um, or a, a, And I, I, a, I wanted to get like a baby quilt or something, just some stuff. I got a hope chest in North Carolina, and I was just blabbing about it much the same way I am now. And <laughs> where in North after, Carolina were you guys shooting? Do you have any recollection? Because that's where I live. Yeah, but not for the Beverly Hillbillies. We were actually shooting Chasers in North Carolina. Oh, we Chasers, were, um, yes, yes, all yes. Over, yeah, in Wilmington. But um, I just remember that I had purchased something in North Carolina that I was telling him about, or some crazy story. Anyway, a year later after the... Uh, the movie, I get this huge box delivered to me, and Jim Varney remembered that conversation, utter blabbing on my part, <laughs> and he had this little lady from his little town in Tennessee uh, make me a handmade queen-size wow. quilt, which I still have to this day, and a baby quilt for my hope chest that he Aww. remembered I said I had. And that's the kind of man he was. He was angelic, just gone from us way too soon. So yes. talented, so under that whole cast. Come on, Cloris Leachman, Dabney Coleman, yes. Tomlin, Dietrich Bader, Rob Schneider, Leah Thompson, and I'll leave people out not intentionally, but entire cast were just phenomenal. Just I mean, that amazing. That that list you went through. Plus, let's be honest, I wasn't didn't wasn't Dennis Hopper involved in that as well? 
Dennis Hopper was involved in Chasers. Yeah, Chasers, that's what I was movie, thinking of, he, yes. He also directed that film. So, yeah, he was wow. very much involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. Under the list so, of people you've worked with, that's what a blessed career that is, just, just from that standpoint alone, you know? Oh, yeah, I've worked with some amazing people by the very blessed, very blessed. Um, do you want to, oh, by the way, we mentioned uh, Jim Barney. I just have to say that when I grew up in North Carolina, his commercials, he did, a, I, I, I can't remember which, it's an ice cream company, I think, but he did commercials in North Carolina that everybody loved. And I think everybody knew that at that point he was going to launch onto greater things with his Ernest stuff because that was the character yeah. he played in the commercials was Ernest. Right, absolutely, I remember. That's so cool. Um, so, the indie film. You mentioned that uh, there was an indie film that was one of your favorites. Yeah, this was a film called The Opponent. And we were filming it right around the same time as Girl Fight with Michelle Rodriguez. And we actually had the same fight choreographer for some of our stuff. Um, the storyline was basically a ring girl. That was the character I played. And like, as in holding up the signs in a boxing ring and, you know, parading around and I was in an abusive relationship and just sort of become enamored by the boxing sport. And so I become a boxer. And so you watch this girl, you know, come from smacking bubblegum to <laughs> really, really training just down to the nitty gritty and becoming a boxer. And, you know, that movie was so low budget and most of the things that we received were all sponsored. You know, everything was sponsored. I did my own fighting in that movie. I wow. trained with four different coaches. We trained at the, uh, the uh, gym in Brooklyn where Holyfield trained. And uh, I, I worked my tail off, literally. Um, and it was just quite a, a very unglamorous, but just hardcore, amazing, gritty experience. So that's one that I will always cherish from an acting standpoint it was really a cool challenge for me i i love those when you ask um a celebrity what their favorites are because you get answers that you never expect and um so that's one we'll have to look up and that was um i was looking on the list as you said that that was around 2000 is that correct yes exactly so what tell us what um so as you're you know, you're moving on into movies, especially in the in the 90s. Um, and then, did you go through a period where you just sort of slowed down a little bit and said, I'm going to take a break from all this? Or how does that work? Because sometimes it gets to be, it's a lot in your psyche and a lot in your schedule to keep up with Hollywood. Sure. Well, you know, I moved away, though. I moved out of uh, California, out of Los Angeles. I actually moved to Alberta, Canada for eight and a half years. I did a film there and ended up going back and staying. I just loved it so much. And I'm also, uh, I have Canadian citizenship as well. So, oh, wow. Um, and I worked my tail off there too. We did a lot of um, American, foreign, you know, Canadian co-pros too, where you have like financing that's from sort of the U.S. and internationally. And that was the cool thing, huge thing that Baywatch did for me. Um, is overseas allowed me to do, you know, other films and work. So that was really cool. So um, not that I'm saying Canada is across the pond, but I'm, you know, I got to do a lot of filmmaking there. 
And um, so I worked a lot, a lot, a lot. But then I um, got pregnant with my daughter. And it was really at that point that I took a big, big step back so that I could just be with her, you know, and raise her. Um, And I moved back to the States when she was three. So I'm back in California. And... um, and then just slowly, sort of gradually eased my way back in, just did a few things here and there, maybe a job or two jobs a year. But, you know, I have always had so many other interests. It's funny. I, I, I have a podcast now, and I was actually just t- talking about this, how many, I feel like um, the jack-of-all-trades, master of none, because I've <laughs> tried so many different things, just... I have a crazy appetite for a lot of different things, and, and um, I have pretty much experimented with, you know, I went to USCI, that was a, an online school, and, and got certified in wedding and event planning. I went to real estate school twice, and then that just wasn't the right fit for me. Um, I did a whole angel ministry study thing where I could actually marry people, and that was not for me. Um, I wrote a kid's book and I did some writing. Oh, I contributed cool. to a book called Making It um, in High Heels. And this, this particular one was um, Women of Philanthropy and Charity, where I got to contribute a, a, a chapter. Just different things, just trying different things on and some producing behind the scenes. And uh, yeah, so it's been quite the, quite the journey. I always keep a toe in the door, um, you know, to, in, with, with acting and my acting career. But, um, right now my, my new home is, is a, a podcast and I just am super passionate about all things spiritual, about the afterlife, about the occult, about why we're here, about the law of attraction. That, that has been my passion since I was 11 years old. It's funny how, uh, like, as as we get older, and and I'm feeling the same thing. So my dream growing up was to always host a celebrity interview show. And so when, you know, my career, when I had a couple of opportunities to go to big markets in television, and I've worked in local TV all across the southeast, but I had a couple of big big opportunities. And at the time, I was so upset that they didn't happen. I almost hosted a show on the Disney Channel when I was in my 20s, and I was so excited. And, you know, looking back now, I think there's a reason why it didn't happen. I, I, I feel like all sure. of us, that there are things that, just, just like you, you know, you feel blessed for things that you've gotten a chance to do. And you can always keep a, you know, a toe in there and just kind of act when you want to. But there's something about what really matters is what happens inside our heart and in our minds. And really, that's the big payoff. I think it's not so much what we've done with our career, but it's great to look back. And it's a fun, you know, for me, I I have a good talker job. It's fun to do. And I just do this as a hobby and I I love it. A hundred percent. And here you are, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, the only thing that I wish is I want to do everything now, 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 you know, (laughs) and so we don't get to choose when, but I think, you know, let me please get the meaning and the purpose of this life and make it applicable. Let me not realize this on my deathbed and go, oh, maybe next time, let me get it now and let me apply it. You know, that's how I feel. I want to get this party started because I feel like all of us, and this is literally what my last 
two podcasts are about, is that every single one of us is born with unique talents, gifts, and abilities. And we are, whether we know it or not, that doesn't change the fact that we are. And in my humble opinion, it is our job to find out what those are and dust them off and shine them up and loud and proud share them with the world. And when you do that, you absolutely contribute to making this universe better. You inspire other people to do the same, to be brave, to have courage, to find their gifts. And it's what we do. We just pay it forward and we keep going. And so I tell young people all the time, you know, listen, listen, listen to your likes and dislikes. Listen. And those little inklings that you get, those are like yours, you know, always wanting to do a celebrity hosting show. Those little those are what I call whispers from spirit or God, if you will, or the universe, whatever that energy is that you're comfortable with calling it. But those are whispers saying, you know, listen to me because herein lies your gift. Your passions will lead you to what your gifts are. You know, we don't always know. It was a painful journey for me. Some people will say, I was born knowing that, you know, I wanted to play ball or, or do this since the time I was two. And that is, so incredible. I have always been envious of people who have known in their bones what they wanted to do since they could walk and talk. Most of us, however, we have to play what color is our parachute a lot. And we have to kind of figure out what fits and what doesn't. And try this hat on, try this shoe on, and you know, and That's keep true. going until we it is. And I feel like I don't want I think so many people I did for a long time. We we beat ourselves up not knowing and I used to say how can I be you know 40 how can I be 45 and still feeling like this how can I not have found my thing by now I'm supposed to have found my thing why no one says that you know we all have to be born with this thing that we know is our passion I mean, for me, it was, it was funny. I grew up, I, I wasn't listening to myself. You know, when I, when I went to college, right. I, when I went to college, I remember I got accepted to North Carolina School of the Arts and to UNC Chapel Hill, so North Carolina. And, I, and in mm-hmm. my mind, I had to make a decision between the arts and academics, which isn't true, but I thought that. And my dad was like, you do either, but we have no money to keep you up if you're a starving actor in New York. So I went to Carolina and I, major, I tried to major in chemistry. And mm-hmm. that, was, that was a joke. I got to organic. I did like science a lot, but I got to organic chemistry, and that told me quickly that I was not going to be a, a chemist or a doctor. And my roommate right. was my best friend from home, and he said, "Children, you're not listening to what your heart, where your heart is. What did you do when you were a kid?" And you know what I did? I used to sit in my room with a card table and a little microphone and tape recorder and pretend like I was hosting a show. Isn't and that? And I, see, there it is. Everybody out there, please listen, 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 listen. Go back true. to your childhood. Just listen to those whispers because that is so spot on. It's so true. Tell us on. about yes? your podcast because I want to know where everybody can get a hold of this. Oh, thank you. So it's called Spiritual Alchemy, Developing Your Higher Consciousness with Erica Leniak. And Pretty much anywhere you might want a podcast, iHeartRadio, podcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, and then also my website, which is realericaaleniakblog.com. Um, that also has always, I always upload my uh, 
my latest podcast there. So there's a variety of ways that you can find it. And I've got 10 episodes going, and basically it's called Spiritual Alchemy because if you ask me, I'm not one to label. It's too hard, and I change my mind too much. I have a major appetite, as I said, for all things spiritual. So I'm a spiritual alchemist. I'm everything, and I'm nothing. That's kind of the way I, I describe myself. And I have spent years and years studying various religions and theories and theosophies. And um, I've just tried on so many different things. I've kind of created my own little mixed salad of what I feel like, what my beliefs are and what works. And, and a big part of that is the law of, the, of attraction. I think what you believe, really believe, is the reality that you're going to create. And I have 100%. up right now, I have your, uh, your podcast on iHeart.com if people want to take a look at it. Um, I'm showing it right now so everybody can see um, and get a hold of that. I, you know, th good for you. I'm so glad that, you know, finding a peace in, in who we are and, and what we do in life is so important. And it sounds like you've kind of reached where you are. A as you look back um, and you're talking to people who love to watch you over the years, um, what do you say? What, what do you say to people, your fans, who have watched you over the years and they still kind of keep up with you and that type of thing? Um, what do you want people to walk away from and say about you as we all get older? Oh, gosh. That's, that's a deep one, isn't it? Did I throw you a curveball? <laughs> no, it's a great question, it's, it, but it's deep. I think, first of all, thank you. I'm so, so, so grateful for you following me because I could not ever do, none of us actors can do what we do if you guys aren't liking what we're putting out. We just couldn't, you know, so thank you. It's a give and take, I, I hope. Um, I always really tried to make sure that I had diversity in my career and I feel like I really got to do that. That was a blessing. It wasn't easy. I created a lot of obstacles for myself with some of the decisions that I made when I was younger and had to work really hard. So by being able to do different roles, um, the diversity of it, it would be nice if people, you know, maybe thought that I entertained them and that I had a wide variety of of, you know, diversity in the characters and the roles that I played. And just, um, you know, it's nice to be able to inspire people. Uh, that'll just take me right back to what I'm doing now. And what I said earlier is that every single one of us is here to leave this place better than the way we found it when we came into it. That's how yeah, I feel. That's so, so true. If we can inspire each other to do that, um, job well done. Yes. And, you know, you're living you're living on purpose. So if I can do that and if I've done that for anyone, then just thank you. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have been able to do that. Well, that is phenomenal. Thank you so much for taking time out. And um, gosh, I could have gone on forever asking about a bunch of other movies. You've, you've just done a lot of cool stuff and, and your career has Thank been, you've you. done fun things, you've done serious things, deep things, and it seems like you found your place. Good luck in the best job in the world, which is being a mom, I'm sure, because I have four kids. We identify with that. Um, it's the it's greatest everything. thing. Yes. It's the toughest and, and the best thing we'll ever do, you know, to be a parent, a good yep. parent. It, I always say she gave me life, and and I don't mean that figuratively. I just feel like I was, in terms of the way that I live now and what you said earlier, when you get older, you learn what's important. Well, have a child, and that'll, like, really... Yeah. Be. 
really wake you up and turn your world upside down. So I feel like I was sleepwalking it until my you, daughter was born. It, right? it centers so, you. It centers you, and it brings you back to where you should have been all along, really. Right. It gives you, it gives yeah. you life. So she Erica, has given me life 100%. Thank you so much for t taking time, and it's just been awesome. I'm so happy for Thank you. Thank you and for having me. I'm glad we finally made it work, and I'm just really grateful to have had the opportunity to speak to you and your wonderful listeners. So thank you, thank you. Stay Abs safe in this crazy time. Absolutely. Stay in touch, and let's do it again. We'll do it again sometime soon, okay? Sounds wonderful. Absolutely. Erica Alaniak okay. joining us. So excited that she was here. Listen, I want everybody to know, just um, make sure that you check out uh, the other episodes, our older episodes, okay? Because uh, I mentioned Willie Ames earlier. That was a heck of an interview. And I also want you to know that um, Tippi Hedren, we interviewed her. And if you're not familiar, you need to go back and look at some Hitchcock movies. She was in The Birds. And she had incredible stories to tell about Alfred Hitchcock. If you have not seen The Girl, which is an HBO movie, it was about her experience with Hitchcock um, when, he, when she was in The Birds. That was uh, pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, that's all I have to say. She, it was controversial, very controversial what happened to her. Anyway, just some other episodes I wanted you guys to um, get a hold of if you can and uh, listen to them. I want to thank Erica, Erica for, for taking, taking time, time for, for being with, with us. So, so much fun. fun. Next, Next time we're going to line up another, another interview. interview. We'll, we'll have, have a good one for you, I promise. promise. Check, Check us out on Instagram, Instagram Facebook, Facebook, Twitter, and, and WaveNose.com. We'll, we'll see you guys, guys next time. time.